Welcome to the Active Faith Podcast, where faith meets an active lifestyle. My name is Andrew Ware. I am your host, and I am the Running Rev. This is not just any other podcast about an active lifestyle, but join us as we unpack the why behind our activity and how we connect it to our faith. I'm having conversations and exploring the journeys of others as we build a theology of self-care. We are exploring how we care for ourselves by being active persons in whatever way feels best for us as we seek to live out our faith. Welcome to episode seven. Today on our episode, we have an awesome conversation coming at you with Ashley Oliver. Ashley is a seminary student at Duke Divinity School. Uh, She is in the process of becoming a pastor. And as I say in the episode, some church is about to get some phenomenal pastor uh, coming up this summer. Uh, Ashley is definitely got gifts and calling to being a pastor. And I cannot wait to see the ministry that she offers the church. Today, we are entering into a little bit of a difficult conversation. We are going to be talking about mental health. We're going to be talking about this relationship between food and exercise, and we're going to look at Ashley's journey through her own eating disorders. And so, friends, I just want to give you this warning at the top that if this is something that triggers you, if this is something that is difficult for you to listen to, I encourage you because we are exploring a theology of self-care. If your self-care right now says that you just cannot take and listen to this episode right now, I encourage you just just put it on the back burner. Just put it away. Uh, don't listen to it. Skip this episode. That's fine. But, but friends, this is an amazing and a great conversation. So uh, if you feel like you are in a place, I encourage you, please listen to this. Ashley and I unpack eating disorders. We unpack mental health. We unpack the relationship between food and exercise. And we do this all by looking at Ashley's journey. And in fact, this is going to be something that we're going to be looking at as we do have some nutritionists and some active life coaches who are coming on uh, the, the podcast here coming up soon. But I wanted to get this episode so that Ashley could share her journey to really begin to set the foundation of this conversation as we look at, at nutrition, as we look at what fuels us and that relationship and exercise. So let's dive in and let's listen to Ashley's story. And welcome back with us this week. We've got Ashley on with us. So as we dive in each week, Ashley, why don't you tell us who you are, what you do, and where do you call home? Yes, I, my name's Ashley Oliver. I am a third year um, Master Divinity student at Duke Divinity School. Um, I'm working towards ordination as an elder in the Virginia Conference um, of Methodist Church uh, with the hope of becoming a pastor slash pastoral counselor. Um, I call Charlottesville, Virginia home, um, but currently I'm in Durham, North Carolina, finishing up uh, my degree there. So that's home right now. And so how are you active? I'm active primarily through running. I love to run, um, but also love to, you know, hike up in the mountains, um, go on walks with my people. Um, So, yeah, but running is my primary Ashley just goes on some amazing walks around Durham and they, and they just, they, they, I think they use it. I would assume that you use it for self-care uh, as y'all are going with all of that busy seminary work. It's uh, all that grad school work. So it's, it's always cool to see those beautiful Duke views. I didn't go to Duke. I went to Wesley. So I, I try not to live into the rivalry. It's a beautiful campus there. And so uh, Ashley, as we continue to dive in here on the active faith podcast, we not only like to hear how people are active, uh, but we also know 
know that as we form a theology of self-care, the why behind our activity just becomes such a vital thing. And so we not only hear that you love to, to run, to walk, to hike, I think that's pretty much a, a given on this podcast. Most of our people engage in, in one of those three. Hopefully we're bringing in a little bit more inclusivity on that end, but, but why are you active? I'm active primarily for my mental health. Um, of course, it has physical benefits as well, um, but primarily because it's a great stress reliever. Um, it's a great way to get out of my head if I'm stressed or anxious. Um, it's just a good way to get out into nature. Um, I will run outside in like 20 degree weather before I ever run on a treadmill inside. So um, just to get outside, get some fresh air. I will, a treadmill is bad for my mental health. So I will, I will right. also take the same, I'll time my runs during the day just to make sure that I can run, at least run outside, make an attempt to run outside. Uh, but I think, I mean, there's just, there's such a great attachment to physical activity as a manner of mental health. Uh, and even, you know, as we've talked about, and as I've talked about beyond just the, the chemical reactions that happen in our brain that help us to relax, calm down, clear our headspace. But this idea that activity is so connected to mental health really pushes us along and helps us to engage in this activity even more because we're engaging in these activities in the midst of, of busy lifestyles. And so what has been that understanding of mental health that you've carried through your running journey? Yeah, I think for me, just noticing the difference um, when I'm you know, really stressed or my mental health is not great. And I'm not like being active, going outside, even like, it doesn't even have to be a run, just like being outside, going on a walk. I think it does so much more harm to my mental health. If I'm not doing something that's like out of inside, especially like during, you know, when we were going through COVID or are going through COVID and quarantine and all that, um, it was so like, a saving grace really to be able to go outside and to not wear a mask outside, you know, when you're not near people. And um, so just getting that fresh air, it's amazing what it does for anyone's mental health. And I think especially as, as I've seen you over a number of years now, you know, Ashley has also been one of the ones, you know, we've talked about it on here before. She's come along with these journeys across America with us and has come with us. And uh, one of the things that has been really big for her is, is this idea of mental health. You know, she talked just a minute ago about uh, counseling and, and whether she's a pastor or working in counseling. And so mental health has really become one of these focal points for her ministry in general. And, and Ashley, I would just love it if you would share as we dive in just this, this wrestling with mental health and what it has played in your running journey up to this point. Yeah. So I can start with just like my journey with yep. particular issues pertaining to mental health and how exercise has played a role. Um, so yeah, I, it's been interesting kind of throughout my journey, at least these past eight years, I've had to navigate um, how I can be active in a healthy way while also um, recovering from an eating disorder. Um, so when I was a freshman in high school, I was diagnosed with anorexia, um, which is an eating disorder characterized primarily by just extreme food restriction, intense fear of gaining weight, um, deep disturbance with your body. Um, and I associate the time when this eating disorder really started to become a problem for me around actually when I had recovered from pneumonia. Um, I was a freshman and because I was sick with pneumonia, I had lost a good amount of weight. 
um, just from not eating and lying around all day for like a week. Um, and I associate this time with um, the evident onset, at least, of the eating disorder, because I remember weighing myself one day as I was recovering um, from being sick and seeing that lower number on the scale and then looking in the mirror and thinking to myself, hmm, I like how I look um, at this weight. And so I associated that lower weight with liking my body more. Um, so even when I had recovered from pneumonia, I intentionally did not go back to eating the way I did prior. Um, and my weight did not go back up the way it should have after being sick. Um, I That kind of started um, the beginning of a long period of time where I was starving my body, not eating. Um, if I did, it was very low number of calories. Um, I was obsessively weighing myself every single day after everything I ate and drank, um, over-exercising, um, really abusing exercise, even when um, I hadn't eaten much that day to sustain my body through a workout. Um, and along with that eating disorder came depression because it just made me that miserable. And I was in a very dark and unhealthy place. Um, as someone who has always been a smaller human just because of genetics. It didn't take much for my body to show bad signs as a result of what my disordered behaviors were doing to my body. Um, so around halfway through my sophomore year of high school, uh, my parents and pediatrician at the time, they were all like, all right, this is a huge issue. Um, it is affecting your blood pressure, your heart rate. Um, you're not eating, you're fainting. Um, so you're either going to an inpatient treatment center or doing intensive outpatient um, treatment. So I ended up doing the intensive outpatient treatment, which consisted of weekly appointments with um, my treatment team, who consisted of my doctor, dietitian, uh, therapist, and group therapy. So it was a lot to do on top of school, but this saved my life. Absolutely. Um, I owe so much of my health to my treatment team who were alongside me my entire high school career. Um, recovery is not something you can do alone or even without professionals in many cases. Um, as much as I wanted to at times, uh, I am very grateful I never had to um, do it alone. So fast forward to today, I'm about eight or nine years in recovery now and in such a good place mentally and physically. Um, it's been a very long road, anything but easy but very worth it because I'm alive. Um, and I don't know if I would be sitting here saying that um, if I hadn't started recovery and gotten treatment. Um, so I'm, I'm very grateful. And do still have days where eating is harder than others, where exercising for the right reasons is harder, which is important for me to name because recovery is not linear. You will have good days, you'll have bad days um, and everything in between. Um, definitely doesn't get easier. You just get stronger and you get better able to control the disorder rather than the disorder controlling you. And I know one of the things that I notice being involved in the running world and especially in like the, not myself being involved in the competitive running world, but watching it, um, I do not consider myself an elite athlete in the least, but watching it is, is seeing the amount of like athletes who have struggled with eating disorders. You know, some of our listeners may remember from the Olympics, Molly Seidel, who, who struggled with her own eating disorders and her own mental health sort of um, uh, demons throughout her running journey. And I think that there is this nature in which our society has has sort of put on a pedestal this this understanding of body image. And we've talked about in the past on the Active Faith podcast about 
a healthy lifestyle, right? And for some people that may look like, you know, maybe losing a little bit of weight, but then it also may look like, okay, but don't get so wrapped up in that number on the scale or, or the calories that, that are, that are coming in or going out, you know, it's, it's not about getting wrapped up, but it's about finding that, that sort of that, that medium of, of what is healthy for me? Like, how do I define healthy? And so, so what, what does healthy look like for you, Ashley? Yeah, I love that question. And I, I, you hit the nail on the head when you were like, yeah, sometimes, honestly, I mean, you alluded to the idea that sometimes the healthiest thing you can do for yourself is to not be active. Um, and because I mean, for me, being active did not exist in a healthy way at all. When I was amidst my like deepest struggle with eating disorder, even at the beginning of recovery, because I was abusing exercise and my doctors were like, if you keep working out, you will faint or inevitably give yourself a heart attack. Like my doctors essentially had to scare me with facts to keep me from being active. Um, and because, you know, although eating disorders are a mental illness, um, as your behaviors are influenced by the disordered thoughts, your physical health, of course, is going to be affected at some point. So what I had to do was relearn throughout recovery how to be active in a healthy way that wasn't abusive to my body. Um, had to make sure that I was feeding myself and getting enough fuel. Had to make sure I was running for the right reasons and not to lose weight in my case or burn off food or anything that I had put in my body. Um, and there were periods where I had to quit being active altogether because my body just couldn't afford to lose or burn anything. Um, because, you know, exercise can be unhealthy and that's not talked about enough, you know, so yeah. especially in our society. So it really depends on the person, um, and their journey as to how active or not active you should be, or could be amidst recovery. But for me, it just wasn't feasible, at least at first until I was willing and self-aware enough to do it in a way that wasn't harmful or excessive. And, and I think at the very least, this is something that we learn in the running world is that is that rest days are important. Um, and to name like when it is more important to name when you shouldn't run than it is to name when you should run. And so like, you know, I just as we're sitting here talking on December 20th, you know, I just created a training plan for myself for the new year to take me to a half marathon. And like, there's nothing better than writing rest into a training plan and saying, there's a rest day. And I mean, and and that's to say that 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 I feel like I'm in a healthy place with running and it still involves rest because we have to name for ourselves and and it is that point where okay right now I mean I'm going to find a way to get you know just moving around but there needs to be days where I'm not running and to know that for me that is that is my manner of self care that is my practice of healthiness and that's a way that that again like I don't because if we do abuse activity, which I think is something that is a great conversation to have, if we abuse activity, it, a, a number of things can happen. We can get burnt out from it, right? I mean, when we abuse our vocation when or we become abused in our vocation, um, we can get burnt out in that. When we become abused, um, not not necessarily physically, but but even so, but when we become abused in relationships, uh, whether we, you know, go in too hard or go in too soft or, or whatever, we can get burnout on relationships. I mean, and, and it's the same thing with physical activity. Uh, and I, I don't think that that is talked about enough when we come into this. And so it's, it's so, it's comforting to hear that like, 
So you had a relationship with physical activity while you're in the midst of, uh, can I say wrestling with this eating disorder? And then you now have this relationship with physical activity as you are continuing to heal and to find um, a, a reconciliation with this eating disorder as well. And, and you've talked a little bit about that balance, but I want to I dive in more because I think this is such an important thing for our listeners to begin to hear as we continue to talk about this relationship with activity. But uh, you talk about the difference in relationship is not abusing running, but, but what else goes into that relationship? Yeah, so as I sought healing and recovery, I had to become very skilled at discerning kind of the question of this podcast that we focus on is why I'm choosing to be active. Um, it's a question that I really have to ask myself often before I run. Um, I essentially have to discern whether the reason I'm running is, be, is it physical or is it mental? And for me, it is an either or, um, not both and, which for some people it is, and that's great. Um, but for me, it's asking myself, okay, what are my thoughts um, behind why I'm running? So if it's physical, in other words, if it's about my body in any way, like I want to burn off what I ate, or I want to lose weight, I think I look bad doing it as a punishment, whatever it might be then I don't run because obviously my intentions are disordered and wrong. Um, but if my reason for why I'm running is I'm stressed, I'm anxious, I'm overwhelmed, need to get out of my head, then running's great, great option because it's for my mental health. Um, so that's probably been the trickiest part. I know this probably goes into the next question you might be asking me about like, what's the most difficult part? But I think that is the most difficult part is balancing the two. Yeah. And especially coming off a holiday season. And I know I've seen you write blog posts and make social media posts about it. And I just love it because really, I mean, you called me out and, and not like directly, but, but I know that I have come in and especially on Thanksgiving doing turkey trots. I'm like, I'm going to run, I'm going to run for my turkey. Uh, and I do that all the time. And, and I felt convicted by some of your posts and say, no, um, because it's not actually how I feel. Like, I don't feel like I'm going and running so that I feel like I have deserved Turkey. And so I changed it up this year and I was like, yeah, I'm going to run and then I'm going to go eat Turkey because I love both of those activities. But I feel like there is that mindset in which we can get lost of like, okay, I've run now I can eat or I've run now I can do something instead of saying, I I'm just going for a run you know, because it's good, it, because it clears my headspace. Um, and, and again, like we have those conversations of saying that um, we have those conversations of saying like, you know, there are those people who are maybe in that calorie counting game because they're trying to get into that healthy lifestyle. And again, we want to make sure we're not getting lost in it. Uh, but, but, you know, and, and I just have, a, have enjoyed seeing the way in which you have brought forth that understanding of like, we can't get lost in it. And it can't come become the defining part of our lives and using your life experience of saying like, this can be what happens when you get lost in it, friends, this can be what happens. Like it can go too far. And I've seen the way in which you've developed that understanding, even to the point where I have to applaud you. Like when we were doing the great American 5,000, the first time you were just so forthright and saying, y'all, I need a way to track these runs. And like, I don't want to see calories. And like, I put a bunch of apps and, and, and tracking ways in front of you. And like, we tried to work it out and like, I mean, 
I, I get, like it's kudos to you because like it's an intentional process of not wanting to get lost in everything. And so, I mean, just just kudos and 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 great to you on that. As as we've sought as you sought that healing and growth. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's that, that's another thing. I won't go on the tangent, but oh my gosh, there's no apps that have you know for people that don't care to see calories and just want to see how far you've gone Mm -hmm. maybe I should create that there you go there we're starting (laughs) things here now and I mean it's and and even just food disorders in general eating disorders and and their connection not just to mental health but to physical activity is such an important conversation because like I said you know not just not just Molly Seidel but I mean there have been so, so many numerous elite athletes that have kind of brought this to the forefront of our imagination and it really begins to redefine what activity looks like as a response to mental health and as a response to eating disorders because it changes the name of the game and so you know, as you're thinking about where you have been on this journey and how you're moving forward, and you begin to have those thoughts of, am I doing this for the right reason? You know, the food that you're putting into your body, what, what's that conversation that you're having in your, in your own mind? What's that conversation that you're having with accountability partners, with prayer partners, with friends, with family? You know, we've talked about those trust circles before. What are those conversations that you're having with yourself or with others that are helping to keep that mindset, that are helping to inform those decisions? Yeah. A lot of it is defying the eating disorder, something I got really skilled at during recovery with my dietitian, therapist, whoever it was, was discerning between, like I've already talked about, but kind of separating the disordered thoughts from the rational Ashley thoughts. And so something like trying to think of an example, like eating or drinking a milkshake or eating ice cream, like, you know, the disorder will creep in and be like, no, like for whatever reason, you're going to gain weight. You're going to look a certain way, whatever, like defying that by saying, no, like, you know, whatever you like, no, I'm not going to listen to you and kind of discerning like, okay, this is going to be good for my health. It's what I want is not a disordered thing. It's not bad. Um, you know, placing moral value on food, never good. Um, so I think that's one of the biggest things is separating the two. Um, like I think one I, one of my dietitians one time said like, basically put the eating disorder in a chair and like, Mm -hmm. just completely separate it talk to like, talk bad about it, like yell at it, do whatever. And like, no, this is me. And this is not, I am not the disorder. And so I think a lot of recovery for me is that separation. And even before running, like not just before eating, like, okay, am I like stressed? Cause sometimes, you know, I can be, you can be stressed and because you're stressed, you maybe didn't eat a lot that day. I know that happens for me sometimes. And so of course I'll want to go on that run because I want to, you know, help my mental health, but that wouldn't necessarily be good for my physical health if I haven't eaten enough that day. So I think that's another reason why practices of self-care that don't involve activity are also very important, um, especially if you have a history with abusing exercise or an eating disorder. You know, Fred, I mean, Ashley made it kind of seem easy but that that idea of and it's not necessarily compartmentalization but it's even just bringing that understanding of association to what is going on with your life you know 
I mean, as someone who's got anxiety and has to sort of disassociate their anxiety sometimes with everything else that is going on, I mean, it, it it's such a difficult thing to do. And it's such a, it, it's such a difficult thing to get in that headspace. And, you know, Ashley's talked about dietitians. She talked about therapists and, and for a moment, Ashley, I'd, I'd love to hear about family and friends. I mean, what is that? relationship look like for you we talked about in our episode uh with evan taylor which is about to come out as we're recording this we talked about community and we've talked about it with glenn and i mean just about every single one of our guests on here about how this nature of of support encouragement accountability from community i mean like how open i mean clearly you're open to the world with this eating disorder but you're obvious like there's obviously things that you're uh holding back and 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 because those are conversations that you have with others but what is the role that that family that friends that that loved ones that that, that your partner plays in that for yeah. you as you come into it yeah that community is so so important and you know, of course, the men I talked about mental health professionals, because I think those people are also so vital when you mm -hmm. have any mental illness. Um, but community around you, yes, they are going to sometimes say the wrong things. They're going to say triggering things. You know, they're not because they're not professionals and they're mm -hmm. not they don't know. And so that's something I've had to kind of work through with my loved ones is kind of being patient and understanding that like they're not but they do love me. They're not professionals, but they love me and they want to be there for me. And so, you know, when I was amidst kind of more of the earlier onset or like beginning of recovery, my parents would like put my food for like dinner, lunch, whatever on a plate for me so that I didn't, I wasn't in control of um, the portion size that I was getting because, you know, eating disorders are so much about control. They're not about food. They're just about control. And so kind of taking that control away from me, because at the time I was so engulfed by the disorder that it was kind of in a way controlling me. And so taking that away and giving that to those that love me and that are going to look out for me um, and help me to eat. That's so, so important. Um, you know, having people there that even if they don't understand, like my friends, like partner, parents, no matter who they are, like they can try, but they'll never, unless you experience it yourself. It's not something that you can understand, um, which is fine because people can be there for you and love you through it, even if they don't completely understand it. But um, any way that you can discern them to be helpful, whether it is making your plate for you or driving you to an appointment, um, you know, kind of just progressing you towards recovery, even if they're not completely understanding how to best do that or um, they can still be be there for you and I so so recommend you know being open with those closest to you um, that you can trust and that um, will be there for you when you need them because you will yeah and I, I mean like I love that point because one of the things that I think we sometimes don't do well as a society is have empathy for one another and really try to get on one another's level. And I think that that's one of the things that's coming out in our world right now is, is really knowing and understanding the experiences of others. And so, I mean, if, if you're listening to this and you know someone who is going through a tough time, I mean, it sounds like one of the greatest things that we can do is just sit and listen to your needs and listen, uh, ask questions and, and don't be afraid to ask questions sometimes. And then don't be afraid if someone is a little reluctant to share certain parts of that journey, knowing that it is a 
that it is a pain that is deep inside of them. Uh, but but being willing to walk alongside of that journey with them, uh, whether whether it's 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 any sort of mental health disorder, whether it's a, a physical disorder, whether it's whether it's anything uh, in this world, I think that that's something as as we engage together and and as we continue this conversation as community that we know and understand one another, and we know and understand how to help one another grow, because that's going to be the way in nature in which accountability serves to help us grow. If, if I'm coming in and I'm trying, you know, one of the things that I learned really early on with Ashley was that she didn't want to count the calories. She didn't want to see the calories. She wanted them nowhere near her awareness. And, and I had to just admit to myself, I'm like, look, Ashley, I'm just going to toss this up to an, as an L and, um, you know, encourage a stopwatch, just, you know, maybe a watch and, and, and something and, and finding those ways that, that we can help keep each other accountable that exists within a healthy lifestyle for us and, and what that looks like. And, it, and I mean, Ashley, it's gonna, it sounds like it's difficult, like not just for you, but for the people around you. Uh, and I think that naming that is not, I, I mean, I hope I'm not being, being rude in naming that, but I think it just goes to, um, to, to preach to the nature in which that is sort of a, a difficult thing for not just us to grasp, but I mean, it's difficult because it is an experience like, like I've never had an eating disorder. Um, and that's just something that I need to name about myself. And then you name that you have had an eating disorder. And even if you tell me what it's like, you know, it's like, I can say my wife has given birth, but I will never know the pain of giving birth because I will never have that experience. Um, but I can help to empathize with her by entering into that space and being with her. And then, you know, entering into these kinds of spaces where we have these conversations and unpack what it is like to have an active lifestyle. And so friends, uh, take pleasure that, that Ashley is active. And you said it's been eight years that you've been, uh, and I want to get this right, that you've been in recovery and I'd love, and, and we've talked a little bit about that nonlinear nature of these recoveries, but I'd like to dive into it a little bit more because I think for a lot of our listeners who are struggling with something, whether it's an eating disorder, whether it's anxiety, depression, you know, whether there's just something going on in their lives, we know that these struggles are not linear. And so it can just be tough to get out for a run, maybe to eat that plate of food or to, to do something. Um, and, and you've talked a little bit about it, but I want to go a little bit deeper into to what is that like for you? Uh, and I want to focus, if you don't mind for a second, I want to focus on the bad. I want to focus on what it's like to maybe uh, have everything just feel like it's falling apart and to, um, I, I will say, to graciously take that rest day because um, we do need to be gracious in those rest days. And so what does it look like on those bad days where maybe you're struggling a little bit more and you need to take a rest? I am all about talking about the bad. It's important because we're all human, you know, and it it's there. So whether we talk about it or not, it's there. Um, but yeah, I, there was a period in my life where I, I guess it was probably a few years ago where I was so dead set on saying I'm fully recovered. Like I don't ever struggle with this anymore. And because I was so desperate to get to that point where, you know, fully recovered in my head means you know, never have a disordered thought, never have, you know, any issue with eating, with overexercising, any of that. And that's just not my reality. I know people who 
do claim to, you know, and I fully believe they don't claim, I totally trust that they are fully recovered. Um, but for me, that's just not where I'm at yet. And maybe one day it will be, but maybe not. And that's okay because I am in a place where I'm not, you know, I'm not dying. Sorry to sound dramatic, but that's, you know, I'm not dying. I'm living. I'm so happy and mentally and physically healthy. And um, so, you know, I, I hesitate to ever call myself fully recovered because I recognize I still have thoughts sometimes like, you know, even if I haven't eaten very much one day and I still want to go on a run, it's so hard to keep myself from putting on my shoes and going for that run. Um, you know, it's hard if I, you know, am going out to dinner and I want to get one thing, but the stupid menu says how many calories. And then it like triggers me to think that that's too much or whatever. Um, it's so hard for me to choose that meal anyway. Um, but I do it, you know, I hope that I do it anyway. I try to do it anyway. And sometimes I don't, and you know, that's not, it's not a failure. It's just being human in recovery. Um, but it is very difficult. Um, even when you are eight years, 10 years, 15 years, however many years in recovery from whatever it might be, it's definitely, you're going to have setbacks. You're going to have days that are harder and seem impossible to get through. Um, and that's just the unfortunate reality, but I think, I hope that I can be here to be like, Hey, like eight years in, I still struggle with this, but I'm so happy. I'm in a good place, like about to start my career. Like just, I'm, I've seen that progress and I've seen like the worst of the worst. I've seen the very lowest that I believe I could ever have gotten. Um, and then I see where I am now. And so there's so much hope, I think, in that, even for myself. And I hope to God that, you know, by being vulnerable on Facebook and sharing that with other people, that even if they're not open about their struggle, that they see someone else is and someone else can be and can be in that spot after being in such a low spot. Um, that's so important to me. And I, I definitely still get nervous. I think every single time I post something about my recovery or eating disorder or anything, it's still like, cause it's vulnerable. It's not mm -hmm. no innate for us to be that vulnerable on social media with other people, even people you don't know very well. So, um, yeah, it's, it's not easy folks, but it is so possible. <laughs> You know, and, and it is. And I think that, you know, we have a great theology, especially here in the Methodist Church of, of that understanding of sanctifying grace and the way in which, you know, I mean, grace isn't linear, right? I mean, Wesley believed grace was not linear. He believed that grace was, was just ever enduring and that it was just a constant journey of faith. And I think that that preaches to that everyday understanding of like, Hey, today I'm having a good day. Today I'm having a bad day. Tomorrow might be a good day. Uh, sometimes we might even know that tomorrow's a bad day. We just go ahead and mentally prepare ourselves. Um, but, but I mean, to to just even live within that understanding that you know we know that bad days are coming, and one we can't beat ourselves up over it because to beat ourselves up and to to allow whether it's the calorie count or to allow the fact that we can't run. I mean, whatever it is for you or for our listeners or for anybody, but, but just to know that, okay, like today was not good, but tomorrow can be better. Or like, you know, this minute wasn't good and, and the next minute could be better. However, however we want to define our, our linear understanding of time against our nonlinear understanding of grace.
um, and our nonlinear understanding of recovery from from all these different sorts of, of things in our life and how we live into that as as people who are faith. Because, I mean, we always say it like we're setting the example from the front especially as pastors, especially as leaders in the church. Uh, and, and to see that sort of example come forth is, I mean, sometimes I get up in the pulpit and I'm like, gosh, do I really want to say this X, Y, and Z, uh, not just on social media, but in the pulpit, uh, just in a conversation with someone, how much do you reveal about yourself? You know, can it be, can it be used against me one day? I mean, I don't know. Like these are, these are just deep, like, awful thoughts that we have as human beings and it's amazing to hear ways in which we can overcome them and ways in which we don't let them kind of rule our lives uh and you know ashley's given us a great testament about what that looks like and what it means to to not allow them to and and what a blessing of a ministry um you know i'll, I'll i mean i'm gonna put this probably in the intro and the outro and, and say it over and over again. Cause I think it's important, but, and, and I'm sure Ashley would say too, but like, if you're struggling right now, like, like if, if what Ashley is talking about is like hitting home with you and you're struggling, like uh, feel free to, to reach out to someone, reach out to a doctor, reach out to a family, reach out to a friend. I mean, heck reach out, reach out to me, Ashley. I mean, Ashley's had, I mean, we've, we've been through a lot of stuff and, and we're not therapists, I mean, maybe for Ashley yet, I'm not a therapist. <laughs> I brought, I'm a pastor. Um, I will sit and I will listen to you uh, and, and, and we can find ways, but uh, it, it becomes so, so important to engage in those conversations. Cause I think the first, the first step is a willingness to admit that, that there is a struggle and then the recovery can begin. And Ashley, I don't know if you want to testify anything to that uh, before we head to end of podcast questions, but, but yeah. Yeah. I, that's so true. And I think where I know, because I've been open on social media and just in general about my journey with an eating disorder and through recovery, I've had even, I don't know what it is about this month and last month, but I've had multiple people reach out to me and say, Hey, like my daughter, or, hey, a friend or someone was struggling. Like, can you like, of course I am not yet a mental health counselor, hope to be one day, but not yet. So I I can't counsel, but I can direct, like I have plenty of you know, recommendations. Um, if you're in Virginia, like I've got names, you know, I can definitely, definitely help. And I'm willing to do that because I, like I said, my treatment team saved my life. I mean, so did God, but <laughs> my doctors um, definitely helped me so, so much. So I'm, I'm here for you. All that community surrounding you and and, you know, this is, uh, and to say, like, when I invited Ashley on, like, I knew that this was going to be one of those heavy episodes, but I mean, gosh, it, it, and it's, but it's such a story that needs to be shared because, you know, we have talked to folks, especially on this podcast so far, who for them, like their weight was the reason that they got active and like, and, and to name that, like, but there's also another end of that spectrum. And I think that that becomes an important conversation when we build a theology of health, of self-care, that, that there are different definitions of healthy um, and that we need to make sure that when we talk about self-care, that we are relating all of those definitions together. And especially when it comes to activity, that to bring in that healthy conversation um, 
and in the new year, well, this, this is coming out in the new year, but, but in the coming weeks, we're going to talk to someone who works as a fitness and nutrition coach for, for runners and active people and, and to look at that, but really, I mean, this relationship between food and exercise, just, I mean, it becomes so interesting. I, uh, I have a shirt that says first we run, then we taco. Um, because I, I mean, I love to eat tacos and I'm not embarrassed about that. And I've had, I've had people come up to me and they're like, you know, well, I mean, they're not, they're not like good for you. I'm like, I like, I don't like, I don't care. Um, I, I I don't, I'm not active so that I can eat food. I love to eat and I love to be active. Um, and I will, I will do, I will do both. Not as like a, not as like a show of like, I don't care, but just as a show of like, that's my comfortability of, of where I am with physical activity. You know, I can probably think of times when I was in high school and I was running cross country and I probably didn't have the best relationship with food and exercise. And I can look back and I, I mean, just to say that I think it's people like uh, Ashley who are bringing this conversation to the forefront. Like I said, some of those elite athletes who have brought this conversation have made me rethink it. Um, so let's dive into these end of podcast questions. Cause uh, I mean, they're awesome. And so uh, what's something, Ashley, that you have done that has made you feel accomplished? I love that question. And it's funny, I, I read that question and I was like, I don't think I've ever been asked that before. <laughs> so it was fun to think about. But I think when I feel most accomplished is when I am doing or being my authentic self and doing what I love to do. Because I think by doing and producing things I'm really proud of, I'm doing what God's put me here to do. And so whether that's writing and publishing a blog post or preaching a sermon or, you know, I don't even like any, literally anything that I love. I mean, I'm so passionate about so many different things, but whatever I'm doing that I know I'm proud of and here to do, um, being myself, um, I feel accomplished because it's what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. The church is about to get a really awesome pastor. Some church in Virginia is about to get an awesome pastor. Um, I feel like I can confidently say that um, as I have seen Ashley's ministry and journey through just the ups and downs of undergrad, all of graduate school, and now coming to the point where she she's about to about to graduate. And so, um, but uh, what, who do you go to when life gets tough? Of course, I, I go to God, um, but my people, um, really, my family, my partner, my best friends, um, people that make me feel safe and that I know I can lean on and talk to, vent to, cry to. Um, I'm such a firm believer. We were not meant to do this life alone, and I'm very grateful that I don't have to. So um, definitely my, my closest people who I know can be there to support me. What a, I mean, it, it, I feel like everybody gives the same answer, but I think it is just like that much more affirming that, that this is the path that we're on because, you know, I think everybody says, Oh, my family and my friends, but like, if you're someone who's wrestling with self-care and sometimes it can be an afterthought to say like, okay, well, yeah, who is checking on me? Like, I think it was Glenn's episode a couple of weeks back when he was like, I just had a friend who, I mean, he doesn't even live near me and he just messages me. And like, that's when I know I need that. And, and so I think sometimes we may forget, but I mean, like over and over again, we continue to hear the same answer and, and I love it. Like, I don't mind 
publishing an episode every week where everybody's answer is the same because it's like, no, this is, this is why, this is why we're doing this. And so finally, like, I mean, you've talked about this already. What are other practices? What are other ways that you practice self-care aside from physical activity? I love to write, um, you know, this, (laughs) so I'll journal my hand off. I love to just, I have so many journals that are just full of, full of words, um, and thoughts and feelings. I will blog um, if it's something that I think others might potentially, hopefully benefit from reading. Um, I will hang out with my friends and do just mindless, fun things, um, lighthearted things. Um, I go to therapy, which I recommend for literally every human on the planet. Um, Such a good form of self-care. And I'm also a huge introvert. So spending time alone in solitude is always good for my self-care, good for the soul. Oh, you introverts. That's, that's a great, <laughs> I love it. I'm married to an introvert, so I got to love it and respect it. She just, she, the, y'all need your alone time, but naming and knowing that, um, and, and I will put a, a link to Ashley's blog in the podcast notes. So y'all can go and check it out. She's got some amazing, some amazing posts and, and really goes into a lot more detail than we really had time to do today. Um, you know, it's so hard to just encapsulate everything within, you know, I mean, 45 to 50 minutes of an audio podcast, but she's got so much there. Um, and so I want to, I'll push, I'll push y'all in that direction. I'll put her social media stuff in the, in the notes as well, so that y'all can reach out and, and tell her how amazing of a job she did here and just how amazing of a human being she is. Cause she's doing some awesome things. And so Ashley, I want to thank you for coming on and joining us today. Um, and, and, you know, we'll, we'll, uh, see you out in the world. Thank you so much for having me. Yep. It was great. Oh, yes. What a great conversation we were able to have with Ashley in this episode. I cannot even begin to imagine everything that she has been in through in her journey. I hope that y'all got so much out of that conversation. I know I did as it comes to thinking about our active lifestyles, what we're doing, how we're engaging, what that means for the relationship with our bodies, our relationship with food, all of those things. As we have heard this story from Ashley, it has brought so many questions to my mind, so many understandings to my mind as, as I think about my own active lifestyle and what it looks like. I know this was a, a tough episode. I know it was a heavy episode, but I think it's a conversation that needs to be had. You know, we talk about all of these things we talk about uh, what it means to be active but we never often talk about those times we can't be active or the things that may keep us from being active and then even when we have those mental health struggles the way in which our activity changes and so I think Ashley really brought to light that nature in which there are things that happen in our lives that will change the ways in which we can be active the ways in which we are active the ways in which we view activity our lives. And we need to be ready and willing to name that. We need to be ready and willing to have those people come alongside of us, whether it's like Ashley, those people who call it out and tell us that we need to care for ourselves, or those people all along the journey who have empathy and can sit there and can listen to us and can be a part of our journeys. What an amazing thing. And like I said, We're going to have some people coming on this podcast to help us talk and dive a little bit more about this intersection between nutrition and activity and what that looks like, but but always keeping that mindset of, of what does a healthy 
attractive lifestyle look like for me? And when we answer that question, it, it, it doesn't look the same for most of us, right? There are going to be some of us who are getting into this calorie counting game who want to make sure that the amount of calories that we're bringing in matches or um, is, is within a certain range of those calories going out. And then there's going to be some of you who are just going to be like, I can't, like I can't, I can't be in this calorie game. I can't count them. I can't be there. I just need to find ways to be active and I don't need it to, I don't want it to interfere with the way that I appreciate other things in life. And that's why this active lifestyle, that's why it's so important for us. And like I said in our resolutions episode, to name where we are. We need to name where we are because where we are is going to help to develop our why. And that's what's going to help to build us. And so I want to thank you for joining us today. Thank you for joining us for this conversation with Ashley. And don't forget to check out the show notes I have included in there, Ashley's socials, where you can find her on social media. I've included the link to her blog. Encourage you, go and read some of the articles that she have written. They are seriously top-notch and go uh, even deeper into this conversation in mental health and eating disorders and all of those things that, that she has gone through in her journey. And don't forget to find Active Faith on social media. We are at Active Faith Pod on Instagram and Facebook. And so don't forget to go over there, uh, like, follow us on those social medias, as well as join our Active Faith community on Facebook. That is a community where we just dive deeper into these conversations. We support, we encourage one another. So go find us over there. That community is linked through our Facebook page. And so if you go and find us on Facebook, Active Faith Pod, uh, the 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 faith community, the Active Faith community is going to be right there in that on that page, linked there. Also, don't forget to follow and subscribe to this podcast. Uh, that way, when, when a new episode comes out, you don't have to worry about uh, when does it come out, when is all that. I mean, we come out every Wednesday, but if you follow and subscribe, it's going to automatically show up in your feed. And so follow, subscribe on your favorite podcast app, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Google, uh, uh, I mean, there are so many podcast apps, so make sure that you follow and subscribe. And you know what? If y'all are feeling so generous, please make sure you rate and review this podcast. You can do that on Apple. You can do it on Spotify. Make sure you rate and review so that you can show others how much you're enjoying this podcast and share. Share it with others. If you uh, if you share this on your Instagram stories or, or on Facebook and you tag Active Faith Pod, I will share that post. If you leave us a rating and review on, on any of the podcasting platforms, uh, we will... I will read those in our outro or next episode. So please make sure you are engaging with this podcast. Let us know what you love. Share it with your friends and with your families and invite them to listen. Now may God bless each of us and may we find ways to stay active in and for God's kingdom. Amen.